Hello, everybody. It is Saturday, December 11th, 2021. And once again, I find myself with the honor, the privilege, and the pleasure of welcoming you to another episode of the Ordinary Podcast, Polynerdic.com's weekly nerd-centric life and culture podcast for adults. This is episode number 236. And as always, I am your ordinary nerdy host, Shad. And this week's episode is being recorded on a bit of a time crunch, especially now that um, we just lost 20 minutes of time and I need to start over the recording uh, because um, I did not have my cell phone on silent and what I believe is potentially copywritten music played when I got a spam phone call. Uh, and because I don't have time to sit and edit it, I have to just re-record the whole thing. So um, I'm going to cover the same ground. I'm just probably going to cover it with less tangents than was originally recorded. Not that you know any of that because you wouldn't have heard any of it. This week's show, we're going to talk about the Game Awards, of course, because it is the end of the year and we have to have that grand old tradition of getting a bunch of video game company people together including scumbags from Activision Blizzard and give out awards for games that came out this year for the most part some games came out late last year as always because of the the voting deadline kind of I think it ends in November um we have that to discuss I did not watch it I watched Critical Role I chose to watch an entertaining D&D show instead of a commercial for games that are coming uh, that I could always look at the next day and see what was revealed. And that's what I did today during the day. Uh, I took little little peeks at what was revealed last night. And I have some, some standouts that I want to talk about um, just based entirely on what I saw, not anything I've read about any of them. Um, as for what I've been up to this week, uh, most of my free time, if it wasn't spent planning D&D for this weekend, it was spent playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, I think last week, maybe the week before, I played it for a couple hours and then remembered how much I was enjoying it before I stopped playing it back in January when I got my hands on that Immortals Phoenix Rising game. Because um, for a while, at the beginning of 2021, that's what I was streaming the most. I was streaming Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and that um, Immortals game. And then I completely got roped in by Immortals. I know they're kind of the same game. They're both Ubisoft games, uh, a company in its own right that has uh, some issues. Um, but I really enjoyed Valhalla. I like Viking stuff. A lot of people do. I know it doesn't make me special, uh, especially today when we have all these Viking shows and the Norse pantheon is, is coming back around. Heathenism is a thing. Uh, you know, I, I, I follow several people online that, worship Odin um, that are that are very into that culture and it's fascinating to me uh, so I, I liked the Viking element of the story uh, so I played a lot of that I think Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday that's what I did after work um, I also over the course of the week finished Silver and Steel which was an amazing live play that D&D Beyond put on Jasmine Bular, uh, that bronze girl on Twitch and Twitter uh, was the DM, and like y- you had B. Dave Walters and Todd and Megan Kenrick and and Jen Kirchner and Laura Oboe and Hope Lavelle uh, playing these excellent characters that they play, you know, freely and Averin and Sophias and uh, Okira. 
all these characters that they're known for playing in, in this homebrew world that just told a really great 39-episode story. Um, and then from there, I immediately flipped back over to Heroes of the Plains, which I was on like episode 15 of uh, when I stopped watching it to get through. I was watching Heroes of the Plains, and then I found out that there was a precursor series called uh, Heroes of the Veil. And so I went back. I stopped watching Heroes of the Plains earlier this year to get caught up on Heroes of the Veil. And now I'm back on Heroes of the Plains. I know it's very convoluted the way I explained it. Uh, and of course, I got caught up on Critical Role, um, watched last week's episode, and then last night and this morning, I completed last night's episode, this week's episode, the episode from the ninth. Because um, again, I know this goes live on Saturday, and I said it's the 11th, uh, but I'm recording this on the afternoon of the 10th uh, before I go to the grocery store uh, and then pick up my, my nerd brood. Um, for the weekend so we can play D&D and, and hang out together and stuff. Um, I also got caught up on Hawkeye. Now, I want to discuss some spoilers with Critical Role and Hawkeye, so I'm going to give you a little bit of silence before I start talking. And I'm watching the clock. Okay, that was roughly 10 seconds of silence. First, Hawkeye. Really loving that show. Uh, I think I talked about it last week, maybe the week before, that I did not expect to enjoy this one. Not a huge Hawkeye fan. He's always been a support character, kind of like I view uh, Doctor Strange. Um, never really read any Doctor Strange comics. I've only ever seen him in like the bigger event pieces and in Avengers comics. Um, what they're doing with this Hawkeye show is great. I haven't read the newer stuff. I think it's Matt Fractions' his name uh, that, that wrote it. Uh, I haven't read any of his run with Hawkeye, but I know that's like where Kate Bishop becomes a, a staple of Hawkeye's comics and stuff. Um, really love the way this show is running. Um, this week's episode, we saw For Florence Pugh show up at the end of the episode, uh, continuing on from the stinger at the end of Black Widow. Um, fantastic absolutely adore Florence Pugh. I think she's an amazing actress and she fits that Black Widow assassin role really well, surprisingly. Um, you know, I've seen her in lots of dramas where she's just amazing in that. Midsummer, she was fantastic in. But I also saw her play a professional wrestler in that one a movie about Paige. Um, so, and she was great in that too. Uh, so the woman has range and, and I, I'm very happy to see them including her in this show, as she targets Hawkeye, uh, blaming him for the death of Black Widow. Um, so that's fantastic that she was there. I, I like what they're doing. If I had to put money on it, I would say Kate Bishop's mom is the villain or a villain. She at least works for the villain if she is not the villain, because they keep pointing at her fiancé, Jack, who in the comics was someone who trained Hawkeye, if I'm not mistaken. Um... I think the character's name was Swordsman or something like that. Uh, he trained Hawkeye in the circus, uh, if, I, if I remember correctly. I, I'm pretty sure I read that this week uh, in discussions about the show. Um, so I think he's being set up as kind of like a red herring, that he's not actually the bad guy. Uh, just based on some of her mo Kate, Kate's mom's behavior um, in this episode. 
I'm very excited to see where this goes. I don't know how many more episodes they're going to be. I have not yet. Well, before we get to that, real quick, the the, uh, the other spoiler thing, Critical Role, um, if you've been watching or if you're familiar, Travis Willingham's character at the start of the, of the, of the uh, season uh, was killed three or four episodes ago. And... You know, everyone online that's a, or not everyone, a lot of people online in the fan base have been like, where the fuck's Travis? God damn it. Get Travis back on the, on the table. Um, I like Travis a lot. He's hilarious. He's a great role player. He's a very supportive player at the table. That's one of the things I love. Like he's just all in on everyone else's success at the table. Um, but I also respect the story they're telling and have never been like, damn it, bring him back. Um, he's back now as of the end of this episode that aired on Thursday night. He has returned to the table. Uh, I won't spoil the character, just in case you haven't seen it. I have no familiarity with the character he's quote-unquote based on. Um, but I'm interested in seeing how this character works in the greater dynamic of things. They 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 went for it with this season's uh, decisions um, on on character design and motivations and stuff. I, I love it. Um... They also put out a new, uh, the official theme for season three with the opening video and stuff. The credits uh, has been released as well as of this week. And while the animated episode or the animated opening of season two will remain my favorite, this one's pretty fucking good too, and it's it's worth a watch uh, if you're a fan of such things. Um, I really wish I could do. Not necessarily what Critical Role does, but what Silver and Steel, Heroes of the Plains, shows, wa- Rivals of Waterdeep, stuff like that. Uh, I wish I could do it. Uh, my friend Jen, who, whom you've all met before, um, she's been on this podcast a number of times, probably more than any other person. Uh, she keeps telling me I should run a, a, a D&D show amongst the things I do. Um, but that brings me to the conundrum that like, I've played a game or two with her and we kind of fell off of it for life stuff, as happens with D&D. Um, I've played a couple games with my buddy Sean, who's been on this show a number of times. Uh, but he's also a 3.5 player and a Pathfinder player. And I just really want to play 5e because that's that's where my comfort level is. Like, I'm comfortable with 5e. I don't want to run a live stream show. I don't want to be the DM. Uh, I would like to be a player um, because I DM every other week for my kids. And my roommate, uh, best friend. Um, And I would like to be on the other side of the screen uh, if I'm going to be doing a live show, uh, a live-streamed D&D show. Um, And that means I would have to pay someone to DM 5e, and I would have to pay someone reasonably well to be a DM and for the other players because I just don't have enough people in my life that play D&D that are into the idea of streaming it. Um, my boy is really the only other one I know. And he will not be on anything I put out uh, strictly because I don't want to exploit my kids that way. You know, they, they had a, a little little bit of spotlight on them when we did those charity streams a year or two ago. Um, the, the Family Friday streams or whatever the hell it was I called them. Um, but I will not build a show around my children. Um, that's just me. And since I lack the income to do this stuff full time, I sure as hell lack the income 
to pay people to play D&D on a show on polynerdic stuff. Uh, maybe one day. Um, as I discussed in the previous recording that I had to scrap, um, you know, I'm getting really close to that deadline of those life changes I've been talking about since August. Um, so for the next two and a half, three months, I've got to save money and uh, I've got a job interview uh, tomorrow, not tomorrow, uh, next week. And I've got applications out there for other places looking to make more money, looking to get a second job possibly, um, to get my money together, to be able to even have a roof over my head come March. Uh, and that means a lot of this extra stuff, um, may have to go. And I'm kind of tore up about it. Um, because I, I have put, I mean, polynerdic.com started, seven years ago 2014 I think October of 2014 we made our first post and then over the years it's grown to what it is you know I was able to start streaming I was able to um you know build a small community over the last couple years especially um YouTube Twitch this podcast um and the finances are looking shaky um I said it today that I'm kind of living in scorched earth mode uh, where my mistakes have caught up to me. Um, while my mental health and my happiness are at a higher level than they've been in my entire adult life. Um, the repercussions of not getting that shit sorted out years ago have, um, caught up with me and I'm trying to salt, excuse me, I'm trying to seed scorched earth. That's also been salted and hoping that I can get you know, some growth going. And that means in my long winded way of saying it, um, some of this hobby stuff might have to go and that would include this podcast. Uh, so I'm trying to enjoy this show as much as I can until I can't have it any longer. Um, so you've probably got about 12 more episodes before we get to the, the push come to shove point where we find out if this gets to keep happening or not. Um, and it's kind of a downer, really, because I'm trying so hard to, you know, not be depressed and sad and, 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 and live my life to its best, you know, fullest extent. But I'm looking at the harsh reality of our bullshit capitalist system that, um, you know, inflation's almost at 7%. Uh, I lost a significant amount of money where I currently work uh, because they don't do cost of living raises. So I lost a lot of money this year. Um, and, and, you know, with the breakup with Chelsea and I, and, and our, you know, the lease being up here and I'm probably, you know, I mean, I'm certainly going to be the one that has to move, um, because I don't make enough after child support and whatnot to, to live here, uh, per the landlord. Um, got some very unpleasant realities coming fast and that's, you know, ties into what I was just saying about the live stream show. Like I would fucking love to do a D and D show, but I don't have the money to pay people. And that's the point I'm making, uh, before I digress any further along, uh, that, uh, discussion of my personal life. Um, news, let's do news real quick. Uh, and then we'll talk about the game award stuff. And then, uh, we'll talk a little bit about, um, next week, uh, what I look to do next week. Um, 
they said this week they don't know when he's coming back, but as far as Kevin Feige is concerned, Charlie Cox is still Daredevil in the MCU, uh, which is great because there's been all sorts of hints and rumors and speculation that um, you know uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin is is still part of the MCU, uh, which opens the door really for a lot of that Netflix stuff to finally be a part of the MCU because they kind of treated it like it wasn't for a very long time. Um, and I think that had something to do with some inter-office politic bullshit uh, between the movies and the TV branches of, of the studios. Uh, because, you know, very early on in that stuff, you know, it was clear that Daredevil was set in the same world as the Avengers, uh, but then they just kind of quit talking about each other. Uh, not that the Avengers ever really talked about Daredevil, but um, I'm looking forward to Charlie Cox coming back as Daredevil. Um, I would like to see all of those characters come back. Deborah Ann Wool, um, fucking the John Barenthal's Punisher. Um, there's a lot of fertile ground there that they could, that they could pull in these characters from. And, uh, I know they're all smaller scale stuff, Jessica Jones and, and whatnot. Um, a lot of potential there. I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, the Halo Infinite campaign released this week. Uh, well, I'll just, I guess I'll talk about it here instead of at the end. Uh, I haven't got to play it yet. Um, as I said, I've been busy with other stuff and distracted by other things. Um, I plan right now tentatively to do a live stream first impressions video Monday night. Uh, I do have to go get my haircut Monday night after work, so I don't know when we'll start that. I guess it all depends on how busy the haircut joint is uh because like i said i have that job interview on tuesday i'd like to have a fresh cut uh before the interview you know try to look profesh um because we know i'm not right <laughs> um so i look forward to that potentially live streaming it monday night maybe tuesday night after therapy um wednesday night at the latest next week there will be halo infinite campaign content um Activision Blizzard stuff, um, still crazy there. They still have not handled their business. Uh, they still have not, uh, you know, they laid off a bunch of people last week, a bunch of QA testers. Uh, people walked out in solidarity, and I guess now there is a officially a strike. I'm trying to pull up the news story. Um, right now. Uh, where is it at? Where is it at? But yes, there is a strike at Activision Blizzard right now over the nonsense that's been going on, the abuses, the harassment, uh, stuff like that. I am unable to find the story that I was citing. Uh, but yes, there's a strike at Activision. There was a press conference um, on the 8th, where a current employee by the name of Christine um, has been at Blizzard for four years, and in her own words, uh, I have worked at Blizzard Entertainment, a division of Activision, for over four years. I still work here. I didn't want to have to be up here doing this, but we need to make major changes at Activision Blizzard. Working at Blizzard was my dream job. When I first heard about all the talented people working there, I knew it was somewhere I wanted to work and somewhere I could excel at my career. Uh, 
I was so excited to be part of the community that seemed to care so much about their employees. Unfortunately, that didn't happen for me. Since I've been employed at Blizzard, I've been subjected to rude comments about my body, unwanted sexual advances, inappropriately touched, subjected to alcohol-infused team events and cube crawls. I'm not sure what the cube crawl is. Uh, invited to have casual sex with my supervisors, that's uncalled for, and surrounded by a frat boy culture that's detrimental to women. When I complained to my supervisors, I was told that they were joking and that I should just get over it. I began to remove myself from work events to avoid all the sexual comments and groping. I was told not to go to HR. I was told that the harassing men were just trying to be friendly or friends with me. I was told they did nothing wrong by law. After I complained of the sexual harassment, I was demoted. Pretty sure retaliation like that's illegal. Uh, I was then further harassed and retaliated against. I've been denied my full profit sharing, denied shares at the company, and have had minimal raises in the four years I've been employed here. Fighting to keep my job in this toxic workplace culture has taken a severe toll on my mental health. I'm up here today because I want to fight for a safe work environment for employees. Blizzard has some amazing people that work for them, but we need to feel safe and supported by people in leadership roles. Hell yeah, that you do. And hold people accountable for their actions. Double hell yeah there. Uh, thank you to everyone here today and everyone fighting for a better Blizzard. And then there's some demands um, that were made by um, Christine's lawyer. Uh, streamline fast and fair process for victims to resolve their legal claims with an expanded victim compensation fund. Um, don't make employees like Christine file a lawsuit and fight for years against the big law, law firms. Um, victim advocates participate in setting the rules. Uh, real apology to Christine and the many other victims who have lived with the fallout from being sexually harassed, ignored, demeaned, and retaliated against. And a review by a neutral third party, not a big law defense firm, of the career damages people like Christine have endured. Of course, Activision Blizzard gave a boilerplate. Uh, there's no place for this kind of thing. That um, goes against our standards and values companies committed to creating an environment that we can all be proud of. We're in the process of implementing significant changes and improvements. Remember last week, Bobby Kotick said, if things don't change under me, I'm going to have to leave uh, because I have allowed these things to go on. I've been part of these things that have been going on, and I'm disgusted by myself and what has happened under my watch, and if things don't change, I will have no choice but to resign and prove to myself that I'm serious. Um, yeah. Uh, it's a shit show over there. Uh, it's a shit show in a lot of industries. Um, I just keep hoping it'll get better. I really do. Uh, I know that's naive, uh, but I really do. And before we move on to the Game Awards, I just remembered one other story. Um, I know that was a terrible segue. Uh, I probably should have ended with Activision Blizzard before we moved on to the Game Awards, but I guess it's privy because we can talk about that. Anyway, um... Netflix canceled Cowboy Bebop already. Uh, it's been out for three weeks, and they canceled No More Season 2. Uh, I really don't have a dog in this fight uh, because I have yet to watch it myself. Uh, I have heard mixed things. I've heard some people love it. I've heard a lot of people don't. Um, I've also heard that the anime is, like, legendary. And honestly, I know this is going to be a super unpopular opinion, uh, but I have not been able to watch more than an episode of it at a time. Um... Anytime I try to watch more than an episode, I fall asleep. I enjoy it while I'm watching it. Uh, 
but it just doesn't have that binge factor for me the way that a lot of shows do, a lot of animes do. Um, I watched a shitload of Demon Slayer back to back to back to back. Um, I don't know. I, I keep plugging away at it and I'll get through it. But it does make me sad because it did look like it was going to be fairly good. Uh, but, you know, it just goes the way of so many other live action anime adaptations. All right. Now the big one. The. The. Um, Game Awards. I'm not going to do all the awards because, like, I don't care about a lot of them. If you care about, like, the esports stuff, go ahead, look it up. Um, best sports racing game went to Forza Horizon 5. That's one of my games of the year. Uh, best sim and strategy game went to Age of Empires 4. Best family game went to It Takes Two, which is interesting because it's a game about divorce. Uh, best fighting game, Guilty Gear Strive, a game I very much wanted to play. Uh, I like the Guilty Gear franchise. I'm not a big fan of fighting games, but I like Guilty Gear. Uh, the most anticipated game was Elden Ring. I'm kind of eh on that one. We talked about it before that, like, I just, like, I want to love the From Software games, but I don't. Um, they just don't um, appeal to me like that. Um, so, like, I think it's fascinating. I think it's a beautiful-looking world. I'm sure it'll have fantastic lore and whatever, but I, I'm not going to play it. Um... Best role-play game, Tales of Rise. Best action-adventure game, Metroid Dread. Uh, best action game, Returnal. Content creator of the year, Dream. Uh, I don't know who that is. Um, Returnal, I want to play. Metroid Dread, I enjoyed the demo up until the part that the gimmick of the thing with the, the robots that are indestructible stalking you happened, and then I quit liking the demo. Uh, best AR, VR game, Resident Evil 4. Um, best debut indie game, Kenna Bridge of Spirits. Likely to be my game of the year. Uh, I really enjoyed Kenna. Uh, best community game, Final Fantasy XIV. I hear lots of good things about that. have never played it. Uh, best mobile game, Genshin Impact. Never played it on mobile. I've played it on the PlayStation. And my kids play it on the PlayStation. Um, seems fun. Um, I'm sure, it, it. you know, if you're into mobile stuff, it'd be great. Uh, to me, personally, best mobile game would be Animal Crossing still. Um, on the Switch. Uh, best independent game, Kenna Bridge of Spirits again. So it won Best Debut Indie Game and Best Indie Game. Fantastic for Kenna. I loved it. Uh, games for Impact is Life is Strange True Colors. I have not played a Life is Strange since the original. Um, where I got all kinds of crap about making the uh, good for the community decision at the end of it instead of the good for me decision. Because um, I was streaming it way back in the day. Uh... Innovation and accessibility went to Forza Horizon 5. So did audio design. Um, yeah, because those cars sure do sound pretty in uh, Forza. Uh, the music sucks, but the the cars certainly sound great. Uh, best score in music went to Near Replicant version 1.22474487139. That is the full title. Uh, a game I still very much want to play. Uh, best art direction was Deathloop. Want to play that too? Don't have a PlayStation 5 to play it on. Uh, I think that looks phenomenal. I think it looks like it could be a lot of fun. Uh, I don't know if it looks like a $70 game to me, um, but it is something I hope in the future, when I get my hands on a PlayStation 5 and a Series X, it's on the list of games that I'm going to check out. Um, best multiplayer, It Takes Two. Again, the cooperative game, uh, I 
pretty sure it's made by the same people that made uh, that uh, No Way Out game or A Way Out, the game that you had to play two players. I think It Takes Two might be the same way. I don't know. haven't got to play it. Um, it looks interesting. I heard lots of good things about it, um, but I've not got to play it. Uh, best performance this year went to Maggie Robertson, the six-foot-tall lady that played uh, Lady D in Resident Evil Village. Lady Dimitru, however you pronounce it. It's like a Greek, Greekish name, I think. Uh, I dig that, too. That's a, that's a great one. Uh, best narrative went to Marvel, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Not sure how I feel about that one because I haven't played that game. <laughs> um, best Direction went to Deathloop, and Game of the Year went to It Takes Two. Uh, it's sad to me that, you know, after all these years of, of doing my amateur video game coverage, um, that on this entire list, Forza and Kenna, Genshin, are all I've played play the demo of Metroid Dread, but I haven't played the proper game. So there's one, two, three games I've played on this list of winners. Um, when I saw the nominees a month or so ago, I knew it was going to be like this, though, that like I, I have no dog in any of these, the, these hunts, um, so to speak. I have not played most of these. Uh, so it doesn't shock me. Now, for the stuff that I saw that was you know, revealed or debuted or whatever. Uh, there's a couple of games, or a handful of games, honestly, that I, I really am curious about. I won't say excited, uh, because I think that's um, that's something that you, you really got to uh, wait and see on. Like, some of these I, I, I'm really, I am excited about, because, like, Alan Wake 2. They never gave a satisfying end to that story. Uh, Alan Wake 1 was a, a pretty good game back in the 360 era. Um, and I guess from what I've read, this game is going to be a survival horror game less action-y than the last one was, uh, which I'm cool with as long as it's good. Uh, Control was great. Give me some of that with Alan Wake. I want to see where that story goes. Um, Metal Hellsinger uh, is a first-person rhythm shooter uh where you you have a constant rhythm thing going on on the screen and actions including like shooting running dashing jumping reloading done to the beat uh gives you a multiplier it has a great like heavy metal aesthetic and sound to it i really am fascinated with this i'm terrible at rhythm games um so i i need to see how it's balanced like is it a game where you absolutely have to be on rhythm in order to succeed? Because then I, I won't be good at it. Um, that would uh, that would be something that would would be devastating, you know. <laughs> like if if it looks real good and plays real good, but you have to be on rhythm the whole time in order to succeed, it'll be a problem. It's just like Doom Eternal, uh, where it was a really good, fun, tough game, but like it was entirely designed to be played with a mouse and keyboard, not a controller. Uh, because there was some real finicky, real tight pinpoint accuracy that was really hard to obtain in the heat of the moment with a controller. Uh, it's a completely different ball game to, to click on the thing with a mouse 
than it is to try to manipulate sticks. Um, Steel Rising looks cool. Uh, it looks like it's set in an alternative universe, uh, French Revolution, where there's a bunch of steampunk shit going on. And it looks like you play some sort of like assassin uh, steampunk thing. Uh, being the big fan of Warforged and, and constructs and shit that I am in D&D, it's right up my alley. And I like history. Uh, another historical setting game, Plague Tale. Um, well, I guess it's not truly historical. It's got like a historic vibe to it, but I wouldn't say it's historical. Uh, a Plague Tale Requiem looks pretty cool. I really like the first one. Um, it's a game that didn't get as much love as I think it should have. Uh, it's on Game Pass right now, the first one is. If you have Game Pass, go play it. It is a fascinating, disturbing game. Uh, it is technically an escort mission game, which kind of sucks. Uh, but it is a lot of fun in that framing. Framing. Uh, we saw some quote-unquote uh, gameplay of the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League game. Looks like it might be fun. Um, remains to be seen how fun it looks like it has potential, though. Uh, Somerville looks pretty amazing. The new Saints Row looks fascinating. Um, I'm interested in seeing how they soft reboot that franchise. Um, Forspoken looks great. Nightingale looks looks fascinating. I don't know if I'd enjoy it, but it, it looks fascinating. I like that Victoria Aaron era, Victoria era look to it. Um, Forspoken to go back a step looks right up my wheelhouse it looks like in that like sort of third person action rpg um like uh, horizon zero dawn sort of vein but with like a fantasy bent instead of a sci-fi bent um i'm really fascinated by that game and hope it's good hellblade 2 um cinema saga looks fantastic again that's another one i believe the first one's on on game pass if you have not played it Grab yourself some good headphones and play that shit because that game has amazing audio design and is a lot of fun. Um, and it kind of you know, goes into that Celtic pagan Viking thing that I love. Um, Planet of Lana looks pretty, pretty interesting also, um, as does Have a Nice Death. Uh, I highly suggest you go check out those videos that they released uh, on them. Uh, Evil West looks really cool. Uh, I like a cool demonic western sort of look to it. Um, kind of has like a third person over the shoulder, shoulder, like Gears of War kind of aesthetic to it, but like set in the old west with six shooters and demons and stuff. It just looks looks pretty cool. And then of course they announced a Wonder Woman game, but it was just like a, a teaser. Um, the Wonder Woman game being made by the folks that made the Shadow of War and Shadow of Mordor games. Um, are they going to bring the Nemesis system to Wonder Woman? Because that would be interesting. Um, I don't know how it would work in the context of Wonder Woman, but I'm still upset that we didn't see more of the Nemesis system. You know, I remember when the uh, Shadow of Mordor came out, and everyone was like, this is the future. This is what all these games are going to be doing in the near future. They're going to all have some sort of Nemesis system knockoff, and they didn't. We haven't seen it anywhere. Um, and it's such a good idea. Uh, that I don't understand why it didn't get ripped off. You know, we rip off stuff all the time in the in the game industry. You know, oh, PUBG made it big. Let's everybody make a battle royale. I mean, hell, there's a Vampire the Masquerade battle royale coming out next year. Um, all in all, from what I saw, 
all in all. Yeah, that rhymes. Um, the game awards look to be exactly what they always are. Um, mostly a commercial for what's coming. Some awards are handed out. People are happy to get them. I don't know what sort of stake they have. Like, I, I don't know if winning a TGA award, the game awards award, um, means something in the way that like winning an Oscar apparently does or a Grammy, you know, um, I'm sure there's pride in it. I'm sure there's excitement in winning, but I don't know. I'm not in that industry. I, I can't gauge that. Uh, you know, the game awards haven't been around as long as the Oscars to have gotten that level of prestige as an outsider. Um, also we still have that whole argument, our video games, art versus cinema, you know, like the whole bullshit. Um, but it's also, it was also from what I've read and, and witnessed, you know, stereotypically disappointing. Um, you know, it's kind of a farce, you know, they, they say they don't, you know, they don't stand with the abuses that have been outed in this industry, but then they still have a member of Activision Blizzard on their, on their advisory board. Uh, they made some, you know, half-hearted statement about how there's no place for the abuses in the industry. And then they couched it in toxic gamer behavior. And like, those are two separate things. They both need to be addressed, but in this moment, you need to be addressing the industry abuses, um, first and foremost, and not conflating the two. Um, they made their statement, and then five, ten minutes later, they showed a reveal of a game from Quantic Dream, another studio that has a history of abusive behavior. So it's... It kind of feels like perfor- performative um, empathy. Like, oh, it was just like Keeley not making a, a strong statement against it in the first place until he was called out. And then he was like, well, they're not taking apart. And it's like, no, but they are taking apart. Anyway, um, we saw some cool stuff. So people got some awards and we saw some cool stuff. We saw some more stuff about things we already knew, like Suicide Squad and things like that. But then we saw new, like Alan Wake too. That was that I, I had no idea that was coming. Um, I had hoped for it, but I had no idea. Um, I look forward to these games in the future. Uh, provided that hope returns to my existence and I can take down this uh, proverbial abandon all hope ye who enter here plaque that I have around my neck. Um, I'm looking forward to the potential future when I can play these new games on the new consoles and continue the coverage that I of, of games as a hobbyist that I have done in years past. Uh, this year was rough. Um, all the way around, you know, from streaming to this podcast, to my personal life, you know, we had a rough go in 2021 and that is not even considering the fucking pandemic that we're still in. Um, I'm trying to have hope for 2022. Um, as we talked briefly a couple minutes ago, like there's a lot of shit going on and I'm hoping 2022 will end up better than it starts. Cause it's going to start rough as fuck. Uh, and I am going to do everything I can to, to keep this show archived, keep it running. Uh, but I might need to take a hiatus. Um, just like the streaming might end, like, especially if I end up working two jobs, I I don't fucking know how I'm going to, uh, have any energy or time for these passion projects if I'm working two jobs. Um, but that's for another day. Uh, I've got to go get the groceries and I have to go get my children and then I have to play D&D tomorrow. Uh, so 
there's hope for tomorrow at least, right? Uh, and that's what I'm going. The note I'm going to end on, as always, like I try to remember to every week. Um, if you're interested in supporting us, I need to remind you that we have a Patreon. We have subs on Twitch. We have all of these ways that you can support us. Coffee, Patreon, Twitch. Those are the ways that you can support us. Um, share our stuff on Facebook and Twitter and Reddit. Join our Discord. Um, although the subreddit and the Discord are two of the more quiet places um, uh, because I'm terrible at remembering to go in there and try to get keep the conversation going. Become one of our nerdy neighbors, though. Uh, join the community. Uh, we're an inclusive place. Um, I uh, have always preached in the time that we've been doing this especially that I want to be an ex- that I, I want to have an accepting community. I want to have a community where people are comfortable and are able to be themselves, and that's important to me um, for personal reasons and greater world reasons. That people deserve to be able to be their truest, most authentic selves without hate, without bigotry, without questioning, without feeling like they shouldn't exist. Um, there's too fucking much of that. And that's what I try to foster here with the Nerdy Neighbors. I've always said I don't want to be a man with an audience. I want to be a man in a community. And that's what I aim for. Um, So if you like what we do and you want to support us and you want to keep things going and you want to help out, like, follow, subscribe. You know, everything from Facebook to TikTok, we're on all of them for the most part. I think Snapchat is one of the few I'm not on. Um, Share our work. Share our content. Let people know that you think what we do here is awesome. Be like Joe Coleslaw, my buddy who is probably my biggest fan, um, almost certainly at this point. And I hate using the word fan. Um, If you watched our Thanksgiving Day stream, uh, Joe, I've, I've mentioned it every week since then, the Thanksgiving Day marathon I did, Joe almost made me cry. And then I almost cried when I talked about it on that week's podcast. Uh, Joe's a big supporter. Be like Joe. Support what we do uh, because I love doing this. This brings me joy in a way that few other things in my life do. And in a time when I am running short on hope, um, I'm leaning real hard into the little joys like this podcast. So once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for inviting me into your home on whatever day you're listening to this for 42 minutes of your life. Um, I hope you enjoyed the conversation as one-sided as it was, and I will see you next week for yet another episode of the Ordinary Podcast, polynerdic.com's weekly nerd-centric life and culture podcast for adults. Talk to you soon.